Thank you for listening to the Trinity Podcast. My name is Marty Reardon, and I'm your host. In this episode, it's part three of a conversation on sexuality, which was a discussion that we hosted here uh, recently at Trinity. In this episode, our education pastor, Ashley Matthews, interviews Laura Yauk, who attends Trinity, to discuss her experience as a single person in the church and the need for spiritual family. Thanks so much for listening. Laura Yauk, everybody. If Laura looks... (laughs) If Laura looks familiar to you, that's because she's um, an incredible drummer across all three of our locations. Ex- drummer extraordinaire. Works in tech and one of the heroes of my heart. And a faithful member of our church. And someone who has been living as a single person in our church for a number of years. So tell these people a little bit about who you are, where you came from. Yeah. All right. So I'm Laura, and I moved to Atlanta about three years ago. And I didn't know anybody when I moved here. I moved for work. And I knew that I needed somewhere to belong. I think a lot of what we've been talking about tonight has to do with belonging. We're looking to belong and to know that there's somewhere that's not going to go away where we belong. And so I typed Anglican Church into Google Maps. (laughs) And this place came up. And I ended up here. Um, And and by God's grace, I think I was just equipped to pursue that belonging um, Mm -hmm. in a way that I would say it's not even like myself. I'm fairly introverted. Um, and this I, is also not like yourself. <laughs> this is also not like myself. Um, but yeah, and so, and I think if you've ever like been new to a church, you maybe understand that Sunday mornings are not the best time to really get to know somebody and like go deep and, you know, share feelings. Um, and and um, so I started looking for other places. I got involved with playing drums and serving and joined some small groups. And that helped me meet people and get to know people a little bit better. But it was still not um, what I was looking for. And a lot of those small groups were more seasonal and they would end. And then I would be left like feeling like a part of me was dying on the inside. Um, And so that was hard. Um, But yeah, so let me just make sure I'm but yeah, so I think um, getting getting involved with the church and and just starting to think about belonging and what do I need to belong in some of those drier seasons um, helped me to realize that I think to belong you need to be both giving and receiving members of the community. You can't just show up and receive and feel like you belong to something. You need to be giving parts of yourself. And in the same way, if you just show up and only give, you're going to burn out. That's not going to cut it either. Um, And so I think by showing up at our church and getting involved in serving it, it grew a sense of ownership Mm -hmm. in me. And that made it feel like a home where I made decisions. I could welcome people here. I I belonged here in Mm -hmm. a sense. Um, But also this has been a place of refreshment for me where people have taken good care of me. And Mm -hmm. so we're building that cycle. Yeah. Yeah. The way real relationships work. Indeed. Yeah. So tell us about um, living as a single person, not just at Trinity, but kind of just in general the advantages and like to Peter's point also in disadvantages and where's it, where's the, where are the wins and where's the struggle for you? Yeah, totally. So, um, the advantages, as Peter said, is I got flexibility like nobody's business. I do whatever I want when I want to do it. Um, it's a good thing. Um, and, and also I think just as it pertains to families, like Peter was talking about, um, I can enter into these situations in a really unique way. I can build bridges between parents and their kids. I can, like, be the fun person that's running around the backyard and, like, almost egging on, breaking of the rules. And then I can go and sit down with mom and dad and, like, we're serious and we're friends and we're, like, peers in that sense. So I just feel like 
especially as a single person, having the flexibility to step into those family situations and even to be available to other single friends or other friends who are married without kids. Um, it's just a really unique position, a really good gift that I want to take advantage of. Yeah. Um, so, but on the other side, there's definitely downsides. Mm-hmm. Um, loneliness is a huge thing. And I, I know that when I'm not intentional about relationships, I get lonely mm-hmm. um, in, like, really deep and hard ways. Um, but so do people who are married, you know. Like, so do people who are married. <laughs> so do um, people who are married. Amen. Um, so, so loneliness is definitely a downside. Um, <clears throat> the other downside is just lacking, like, an emotional feedback loop. I want to be, like, an emotionally healthy human being, and if people don't know me and don't have expectations around how I act when I'm healthy, it, like, mm-hmm. there's no one to call me to be a, a better version of myself yeah. and to, like, see me and see me on the hard days yeah. and be able to reach into those places. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, another way, uh, downside, is sometimes just physical touch. Like, human touch is a huge part of feeling known and dignified as a yeah. human being. And um, as a single person, I don't have just ready avenues for physical touch. I have a job. People in my job don't touch me very often, and that's great. <laughs> I, that's a good thing, you guys. Um, but, but at the same time, if the only time I'm getting touched is when we pass the peace every Sunday, that's that's not enough. Mm. Um, so, so there's appropriate places to find that, and I think as the church, we can be that for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just knowing that with friends you can build a friendship but our culture has a very impermanent understanding of friendship like it's always going to end and i think part of what's hard about being single can be knowing that i may always have to start over whatever i'm building now will end and i think when you're married you have an expectation and kind of a a sure hope that you know god willing you don't die young and be left alone or get divorced like 50 percent of marriages Yeah. yeah um so that can be a hard thing to wrestle with as a single person and then also just some of the misconceptions that people have around singleness. So yeah. I think um, we're done being academic, so I'm going to tell stories. Um, so so uh, I was on the phone with a married friend a couple months ago, and she was talking about something about her marriage. And then she said, well, you know, I just there are things I can't tell you because you're not married. And you don't understand. And that really hurt my feelings, and I couldn't really put my finger on why, mm-hmm. so I was, like, thinking about it. Um, and I realized that she had hit this nerve in me that said, like, you know, your friend Junior. Like, we're friends, but your friend Junior. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that hurts, and that's yeah. hard. And so I had, you know, got my strength up and called her back up and said, you hurt my feelings. And maybe what you said isn't wrong, but, like, I'm trying to be an emotionally healthy human being here. Mm-hmm. And that hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had a really good conversation about it and just how, like, I'm single, but, like, I need you as a married person to be honest with me. If we're friends, Mm -hmm. like, let me support you in your marriage. Let me pray for you. Let me Mm -hmm. be there with, for you in appropriate ways Mm -hmm. as, as one person that's on your team. Mm -hmm. And also I need you to share with me honest things about your marriage so that I don't idolize it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like HBO, it could be a primary influence in my life. Netflix certainly is. And Mm -hmm. like, And so I need some people to speak into my life that can tell me truth about things and about marriage so that it doesn't become an idol for Mm -hmm. me and something that I'm chasing. And the same is true of sex. Yeah. Uh, And the other thing, I think sometimes parents can sit back and say, well, she probably doesn't care about her kids or a lot. They're crazy or they're not hospitable or whatever. And I want to say that kids can be super hospitable because Mm -hmm. they, like. You mean sometimes maybe people are afraid 
that their their kids would create like an issue for you or you wouldn't love sure that. it would be overwhelming yeah, yeah. i'm interested in a, an adult friend yeah 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 um and i just i haven't found that to be true in my own experience i think that kids can be really hospitable because they're fun mm-hmm. and they don't abide by all the same boundaries mm-hmm. and properness that adults mm-hmm. do and mm-hmm. so i think mm-hmm. that you know, even just handing somebody a baby, which mm-hmm. is not going to hold an interesting conversation, uh, mm-hmm. is really hospitable. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't feel like they belong when they're holding a baby, you know? Yeah. Um, so just Amen. learning to work through all that stuff and manage all that can be a challenging part about being single, for sure. So your experience um, in the church, uh, one of the things I think is so true about you is that for years it was you sort of like initiating and trying to create opportunities for, like, lasting relationships and commitment, all the while holding um, maybe an unnamed longing for family Mm -hmm. or for something more permanent, to your point. Um, And for so many of us, without the language or the vision that Peter was able to cast, it's just sort of like, well, what is it? I'm never going to have it. Maybe never going to look like it. But you actually have started to experience some of what Peter's calling us to in terms of a spiritual family. So tell us a little bit about what that's like. Yeah, sure. So probably close to two years ago, I was sitting with someone having a conversation, and I made a comment like, my family lives really far away, and I never really know where I'm going to end up on a holiday, and sometimes that can be hard. And they said, well, why don't you come over to our house? It'll be great. Um, <laughs> and, and so the holiday that we ended up starting on was New Year's Eve. And this is a good thing to note. This is a low-stakes holiday. We didn't... <laughs> We didn't know each other that well. There wasn't going to be weird family there. Like, this is an okay place to kind of start to work things out. <laughs> and and so we did we did those for a while. You know, the Labor Days. Labor. Like, oh, I love steak holidays. Yeah, you know the holidays. We're just going to eat food and watch TV, and it's going to be excellent. Uh, and, and, and then, you know, we sort of moved along. Like, the grandparents are in town. Do you want to come over? It's Thanksgiving. You know, we've got all sorts of people in our house. You're going to come over. Um. And so I got to know them better, and we learned to trust each other in those situations. Mm-hmm. And so probably a year and a half after that first New Year's, um, I, was on, I was at this family's home on the couch, and they were about to leave, and I was watching TV, and they were like, well, why don't you stay and watch TV? And you probably need a house key. And they kind of gave me the house key, and then they left. And I was like, this, se- this seems to have escalated quickly. <laughs> this is a whole new, like, what does one do with the house? Like, I should be cleaning. Should I be doing dishes? I don't, I'm very grateful for you guys, but I don't know how to, like, receive this. Uh, and so that, that led to a DTR, which I really needed in our relationship. Uh, DTR means define the relationship. What are we doing here, you know? Um, and... So it was it was a really hard and a really good conversation for us to have, I think. But essentially what it boiled down to was they were they were already using the language of family. If you're a member of our family, you're part of our family. And I didn't know what that meant because we talk about our church being a family. We talk mm-hmm. about parents and biological children being family. It's used in a ton of different ways, and I didn't know what that meant or what I could expect from that. How much weight could I could I cast myself on this mm-hmm. and, and not fall through? And so... It, they just affirmed all these things. Like, we see you and we choose you and we don't know what this looks like, but we love you and we're not going anywhere. And it was just a really meaningful, meaningful conversation. And and I expressed, you know, do I get to do the things that families do? Do I get to go to the airport early in the morning in pajamas or whatever? You know what? Like, all those really, like, mundane but meaningful mm-hmm. moments that families get to have together. And so 
it just so worked out that the next morning, after our, our DTR, um, they were picking up some of their family, their kids from the airport really early, like 5 a.m. or something. And I was still processing through a lot of the conversation and trying to decide which parts I believed, which parts I felt were just pleasant nice things to say. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so as, uh, the kids are coming out, um, their daughter comes out and she, she's handing out these bracelets that she made and she turns to me and she's like, Oh, I have one for you too. And inside I'm like, yeah, right. You feel bad because everyone else is getting a bracelet and you happen to have an extra for me. And that's so nice. That's so sweet. And she pulls out this bracelet and it had written on it an inside joke that I share with their family all the time that we laugh about. And it just like really hit me like, man, like she meant it when she said she had something for me. I really do belong. I am seen. Um, so that was just incredibly meaningful as far as realizing that I need to choose to believe and to trust the things that they're telling me, um, that I do belong and to live into that. Um, yeah, so now I go along for kids' soccer games and school stuff and dinner twice a week and sometimes even laundry, like, just, you know, boring stuff. But it's so good and it's rich and there's still a lot of ambiguity as far as how do I fit and what does this look like and when are the right times and the wrong times and learning to read those things and yep. communicate, but it's so rich mm-hmm. and it's worth the work and all the like awkwardness that I felt early on. Mm-hmm. And so if you had to give advice yeah. to single people and to families trying to figure this out, mm-hmm. what's your advice? Yeah. So I would say, um, first of all, for single people, I know that this is something that I would just run after. Um, and I would put lots of expectations on, I mean, we're all looking to belong. And so I would say, like, careful with your expectations, careful with your hearts, right? Um, don't, you know, pick the perfect family in your mind and then go after them because it may not work out. Mm-hmm. Experiment, get to know people, come to Second Sunday dinner and our <laughs> community lunches and just talk to people and hang out. Um, and then I would say even begin within some sort of structured mm-hmm. system. So ours was uh, low-risk holidays. Um, <laughs> but maybe that's Thursday night dinner and you just come for dinner and you hang out and then you leave um and then just let it grow over time and grow slowly and communicate openly and honestly for families advice for them what's your advice for families i would say um i think it's really easy to to find a person in your life that you want to care for and to say come over anytime Mm -hmm. and that is kind of a terrifying open-ended statement that really casts the burden back on the single person to then figure out what is that time you know I don't know what time bedtime is if you have kids. I don't know what you guys are doing. Um, And so be specific in your invitation, especially at first. And as you guys get to know each other, that leaves room for more ambiguity. But, yeah, it's really good. Thank you. You sit here. Um, I think there are people in this room who have family that you don't know that you have. Um, That's been true in my life. I think it's true for all of us. I think we have um, family that we don't know we have. And if we have a call, it's that we as a church would begin to pray that the Lord would help us to know what that looks like and who those people are. Who's not currently at your dinner table? Who's meant to be at your dinner table? Who's not currently at Christmas morning? Who's meant to be with you for Christmas morning? And what does that look like? And if we don't begin, all of us together, to step into and wade into some of these really ambiguous places together, my God, y'all, Jesus, 
I mean, Jesus came, he died, and he rose again. We are resurrection people. We're Easter people. We are meant to lead the world and how we love each other. And our families ought to be a sign of a foretaste of a redeemed creation, of a kind of family that goes beyond the bounds of biology. Um, So we want to pray about what that looks like for us. And ask for God's help in wading into the uncertainty of it all. And call you to do the same. Um, all right. Thank you all for your time and attention. And Chris, we're going to ask you to come up. And thank you, Lori Out, everybody. If you're able to stand together. Lord, we ask you tonight to help us to sit with and maybe allow some of what we've heard uh, to settle in our minds and our hearts. God, I pray that we would not try to move too quickly, but Lord, I I also pray that we would not move too slowly, Lord. God, we ask you to help us to be faithful. God, help us to be and think and live like believers, like family. Lord, I pray that we would take this calling to be the family of God, the people of God, that we would take it seriously, Lord. And forgive us where we haven't, God. God, I pray, as a married man, I I ask you to forgive us and people um, like me who hold microphones, Lord, for inadvertently or not so inadvertently promoting a mythology and idolatry around marriage, around evangelical marriage and all that that comes with it. God, we we pray for you to help expand our understanding of what it means to be the family of God. Forgive us, Lord, for where we've been stuck. And I just pray by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that you would unstick each and every one of us in the spaces and places in our life and our heart where we need to be unstuck, God. God, thank you for Ashley. Thank you for Peter. Thank you for Laura. Thank you, God, for the countless men and women, Lord, in this room who are seeking across a broad spectrum to be good stewards over our desire, our sexuality, our humanity. God, help us to do that hard work. That's what we want, Lord, is you to speak to each and every one of us about how to be good stewards. And God, just like those servants in Downton Abbey, stewards don't own the silverware, they just take care of it. Help us to steward the things you've given us without claiming more ownership than we ought. Everything we have belongs to you, Lord. And you've given us such an awesome gift of responsibility to take care of your stuff. So help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.